0: The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of Kevin Jordan or his guests. These gardening tips and suggestions may work for you, as well as those from alternative sources. When using any garden products or tools, read and follow all label directions. And learn how to make your yard summer strong at bewatersmart.info.
1: The Green Acres Garden Podcast is the podcast dedicated to helping gardeners hone their growing skills while we celebrate our love of plants. So whether you're new to growing or a seasoned gardener, you're sure to learn something new. Join the fun as we have conversations with world-class growers, passionate green thumbs, and professional garden experts from Green Acres Nursery and Supply. Listen every week. We'll answer questions you didn't know you had. Well, all right, let's get to it. It's time to garden on, friends. Welcome, everyone. So glad you could make it. This is the Green Acres Garden Podcast, the home for green thumbs everywhere. I'm your host, Kevin Jordan, the Kale Kid. And this week, we are rising up, my friends, to garden, of course. And we're going to be talking all about the joys and the bounty of raised bed gardening. We have a great guest, Kevin Marini. Uh, He's a storied gardener. He actually is the only master gardener that we know about, Austin, that uh, has has his toe in two separate Master Garden Group. So both what is it, Nevada County and the Placer County Master Gardeners, they both claim him as their oh, own, Oh wow, He's which is a prestigious VIP. Absolutely. And so his knowledge is fantastic. We've had him on. We've talked about composting, fruit tree pruning. And this week we're talking about raised bed gardening. And he gives a very uh, scientific, well-thought-out approach to it. Kevin's one of those guys where he, um, he has great knowledge, but it's really based on all these years of experience that are also backed up by tons of research. As you'll hear in this interview, um, he has he's just a great person to talk to when it comes to gardening and growing. But before we get to him, let's check in with my co-host, my colleague, and now I want to say one of my good friends. Austin, the belated birthday boy, Blake. Oh, thank you. How's it you. going there, buddy? Yeah,
0: I'm pretty good. I did just have a birthday recently. I turned 34. What do you What do you do on your 34th birthday? I'm not sure. You but have fun. I did. I had fun. I had my friends and family over to check out my new place, and uh, we had a great time. That was good fun. Thank you for that. And uh, yeah, this this week, uh, speaking with Kevin Marini is a treat because he's uh, a fellow worm
1: lover like you. He right? believes in the gospel that is vernalism. Composting, yes,
0: and then um, we've learned so many great things. And and again, this is a great interview. If you're just interested for the first time in trying out raised garden beds, or if you've been doing it for a while, there's there's great info for everybody in this interview. And it's amazing how he lays it all out.
1: Absolutely, very clear, very concise. And there are so many benefits to the and values to raised bed gardening. Kevin's going to highlight all of them. It's it's almost like the uh, the one and all problem solver for a, a lot of people that are gardening at home. If you want some success right away, uh, this might just be the way uh, or may not. You'll find out at the end of this interview. I love it. All right.
0: So uh, I certainly learned quite a bit. And then I I think we should go through the interview. And then I actually have some questions for you at the end. Oh, please. Because there's some new concepts here, new things I hadn't really thought of, I think are fascinating. So let's uh, before we get to that, let's go ahead and jump into our interview with Kevin Marini. We sat down with him at the Green Acres in Rockland. Oh, yeah. Beautiful store. Yeah, it was a good time out there. And let's go ahead and jump into the interview now.
2: You know, raised beds are super popular now. Almost oh, yeah. Everybody who's starting a vegetable garden do, you know, will go down and, and figure out how they're going to create a raised bed. But this is a modern thing. I mean, you go back, you know, 50, 60 years, no one was using raised beds. It's all in right? ground. Right? It was all in, in ground with native soils, okay? And so this is kind of a new ish. You know, technique. It goes back decades, but still. Um, the popularity of it's unbelievable. There are some really good reasons to create raised garden beds, but the number one reason that I have kind of concluded after all these years that people do this, why people do this, is to avoid having to garden in their native soils, right? Because in general, people think the native soils are heavy, poor
1: difficult to work
2: difficult to work so let's just bypass that completely build a box fill it full of stuff and garden in that right that's nice and fluffy and so there's some truth to that and there's some myth to that but let's start off with the advantages of a raised bed number one physically to be able to Create a bed that you don't have to bend over to garden in is a huge advantage for a lot of people. So, there's a physical advantage to building raised beds and getting the level up. There's another huge advantage, which is aesthetic. If you've ever seen a garden full of brand new raised beds and nice clean paths, they're pretty. They're kind of pretty, right? Yeah, you go, on, you go on
1: Instagram and sometimes you just go, ooh, I love that. Exactly. Pretty really, really raised beds. And,
2: and it used to be where they would just make these really simple, unfinished lumber raised beds. Now, ooh, they're stained, they're made out of fancy materials, there's trellises, they're decorated. I'm getting mean, very
1: creative out there.
2: There's an aesthetic appeal to them, I'm not going to deny that. Um, Also critters, okay? So in in the foothills and all over, really, um, people deal with underground critters like gophers, moles, you know, that upend their plants, eat their plants. Cheeky little devils. And the idea of raised beds is, hey, can we build something to exclude these critters that wreak so much havoc? And the answer is yes. You can build a raised bed, put gopher wire on the bottom, and exclude those critters. So, lots of benefits to raised beds. Um, the one I say disadvantage to it is that it, it is it can be expensive, right? So, if you have native soil in your backyard and you can create your own compost, you can almost get started vegetable gardening for pennies,
1: right? Low barrier entry. I mean,
2: real real inexpensive. Whereas when you invest in Redwood or cedar raised beds, and you're filling, and you're building bit tall raised beds so that you don't have to bend over, um, and you're filling all with all this material. Then you need drip irrigation to really water those bit raised beds efficiently. All of a sudden, that entry cost is pretty high. Starts so going quite, higher. Yeah, there. yeah. Now there's ways around that. You go and salvage some old lumber, right, to make raised beds, and you. You you find people giving away old drip. I mean, there's ways to make it inexpensive, but because of that aesthetic appeal, people are now going to great, you know, efforts to make really pretty raised bed gardens. And that costs a lot of money. And that's a serious disadvantage
1: for a lot of people. All right, so we got some benefits. We got a few drawbacks. Yeah. But uh, I still I'm interested to learn more. What do you think are some of the best materials? You brought them up a little bit earlier, but what really are the key materials that if you were to bake one right now or Mm -hmm. recommend to me to start a garden, what would I start with?
2: So I look at raised beds as um, basically three different types of raised beds. Okay, first one is what farmers do. You won't find any farmers buying materials to line their beds. They have raised beds, meaning the... Level of the soil they're cultivating is higher than the ground level, but they do that through these implements called bed shapers that pull up soil from the pathways and fluff up the bed. There's no uh, boundary to the bed; it's open. There's, you know, that is still considered a raised bed. So I would say that's one type of raised bed that's based in in-ground gardening.
1: That's kind of how our garden at the school is. Okay, where we, but it's done by hand, where we kind of cultivate kind of shallow mounds that are you know elongated and yep. have little furrows that we can you know walk down in between it just helps a little bit
2: Absolutely warms gets you get a little bit warmer soil earlier that way you get a little bit better drainage and it's what farmers do and I tend to look at farmers people who are making their living doing this and say what can I glean from them right So raised beds can be simply just a lifting of the soil a little bit without any additional inputs and boundaries to the bed, right? The second type of raised bed is a shallow raised bed, is just, you know, going up 6, 12 inches, right? In that sense, you're going to have vegetable plant roots that are going to go beyond what you fill that bed up with and into the soil below. The, The average depth of rooting for vegetables is 12 to 18 inches, Okay, if you average, I mean obviously radishes are, you know, four inches, but if you average all the them all larger out, ones, in that we general, grow. twelve to eighteen inches, right? And so if you have a raised bed less than twelve inches tall, then you are you also have to be cognizant of what soil is below what you're filling those beds up because the roots are gonna get into it. Right, unless you
1: have a And I'm dirt. sure do you, do you have to cultivate that soil altogether and mix it, or are, are they stratified in different layers? Is that a problem?
2: It is. And that's, that's a really good point. Is I always say mix the interface, mix the interface, because for drainage purposes, you don't want different textures butting up against each other in a real stark manner. So mixing that interface of native soil and whatever you're filling the top beds with is super important. And you can still put gopher wire on the bottom, it just means that you do the mixing first then put the bed down right, so that the two are already blended a bit. And, and the one thing that's important to understand in that sense is that your watering also has to be really on point because you do have a difference in texture. right? And so you don't want to be over-watering and causing any of these watering problems that you just spoke of. And so finally, third type is just a huge raised bed that really is just a large container right? So once you get above 24 inches and you have three foot tall raised, but you just have created a large container. So, you know, a lot of times that's done when the soil is Toxic and can't be gardened with. You don't want roots getting in there. Soil just always um,
1: negative and talking mean to you. Is that you mean toxic? Yeah. <laughs> toxic? Toxic soil. So toxic. Yeah.
2: Um, or when you know there's cement, or when you're whenever you want a garden bed in a situation where you don't want the roots getting down below. You want yeah. them all in that bed. And so in that case, just a large container. So I look at those three situations as each different situation with raised beds. The materials you use in the middle one, where you're having a short one, can be commonly, it's like redwood and cedar. Um, is it
1: resistant to rot?
2: Yeah, more resistant. There is a pressure-treated wood now that does not contain arsenic. That's it's good. copper-based, and so it has been deemed safe for edibles, um, so pressure-treated wood is an option. Not one I love. I'd rather go with untreated wood, to be honest, but that's more of a personal thing. Um, you can use concrete blocks, cinder blocks, rock. Yeah. And so for the most part, the big raised beds, like I'm, I was talking about before, that, that third type that's super big and super tall, in general, they're built out of wood. Um, one of the big trends is is these stainless steel stock tanks. People call them raised beds, but I just call them stock tank containers so I don't really think of those as raised beds but I've seen people refer to them as raised beds um,
1: that, that's something you'd fill full of water for your horses or something yeah, yeah. and
2: you're just it, they're they're aesthetically kind of pleasing and and they're made of you know they're coated in galvanized zinc and so
1: what are their growing results like
2: pretty good the what I, the one thing I have heard reported about those is that um, in the full sun, um, they do confer a little bit of that heat that they're absorbing, right? And so you have to be a little bit, you know, cognizant of watering correctly, making sure your roots aren't getting fried, things like that. So there's lots of different materials you can use for raised beds. When I got into raised beds, was in school gardening, Okay, so we uh, was part of this program called AmeriCorps. It's a domestic Peace Corps type program. And I graduated from college, and I jumped in this AmeriCorps program for two years. We built 14 school gardens and 14 schools in Oakland Unified School nice. District. So we'd go down there to these schools. It was concrete jungle, not a not a green thing on, on the whole campus. We'd jackhammer out a four-by-eight piece of the asphalt and I build, like where this a going. Bed, build a raised bed, right? Love it. And what was so... Shocking to me was when we would come back that second year, the soil level that we had filled to the very top was a foot less, right? It, it, the amount where it go? Where did all that soil go? Because obviously, if soil outside dropped all the time, you know, our houses would be underground, right? That would <laughs> so, not be good. <laughs> like actual soil maintains its stability. And the reason why raised bed fluff is what I call all the stuff we fill raised beds with decompose and drop in level is because it's all organic matter. And so there's so much cycling going on, right? And so we would... Build these beds. The first year have a crazy bumper crop at these schools, and then the second year have an embarrassment <laughs> of a poor
1: all the gar- nutrition been we sucked didn't out. No,
2: we didn't know that. Oh my gosh, we got to replenish this, right? And so that's super important with raised beds. Is you you're relying on organic matter cycling as opposed to mineral nutrients being liberated out of a, a native soil. So real quick a farmer okay has has all of these minerals in the soil and then the little pie slice of organic matter is maybe 5 to 6%, right? And what they're trying to do is add compost, add cover crops, add organic matter to get that little pie slice up to 8 to 9%, right? Then we have good old home gardeners who build these raised beds. They fill it full of organic matter. When you go down and buy these quote, soil blends. They're compost, decomposed fir bark from the lumber industry, sand, and maybe a little bit of topsoil. But what's topsoil? Full of organic matter, right? Less, not really mineral rich. And so all of a sudden you have, in their, in their raised bed, they have 90% organic matter and a little pie slice of minerals so just the opposite that's why there's so much shrinkage yep because that 90 percent is just churning with life that's decomposing the material but if you don't replenish every time you turn over a crop with additional organic matter then you're losing nutrients faster than you're building them or getting them available you know so that's super important for people to realize it's a totally different way of gardening than what you know, traditional vegetable gardening was in native soils. So in a sense, it's kind of like container gardening.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I totally agree. So when it shrinks down, we shouldn't be alarmed? That's... Shouldn't be alarmed. It's going to happen. Now, what would be the best thing to do to bring it back up to life? Let's say we have our first great season in our raised bed. Yeah. Um, we come back the next year and... We want to have another great season. How do we make that happen?
2: So the the one thing I always tell people is keep track of what you filled up your raised bed with. Because ideally, if you had a great first-year garden, you want to go back and get the same stuff with the same texture and replenish it with that. Because that way you won't have any textural differences. Keep it all it. uniform. Yeah. And so if you can't do that, and you you don't remember what you got, then compost is going to be something you can always rely on. So if you just go down and buy a high-quality compost to replenish and, and, and lift those beds up, that's fine too. We could do a whole podcast just on that, just on what do you fill a raised bed with, because there's so many different products now, and there's so much confusion, probably because they call it bulk soil when it's nothing like soil whatsoever. So gardeners know what soil is versus organic matter, right? So soil is mineral rich. It's all from rocks from millions of years. So it's got all these minerals in it. Compost and all the material that people fill their raised beds with in general are these blends of organic matter that have very little mineral content. There's a ton of life in there churning, but you actually sometimes want to add minerals to some of that mix. So ideally, in an ideal world, a raised bed would be a mix of both your mineral native soil and high quality compost. And that could be built over time. The problem is if you have a huge raised bed to fill, it's hard to find large quantities of actually really good mineral rich soil. But you can go down to the landscape supply place and buy These bulk, quote, soils, right, to fill them up. And so, what they're filling it up with isn't anything that's mineral rich. However, you could go around your yard and steal a little bit of native soil and mix it in there, too, so you have some minerals in there. And then, you know, finally, I would say that um, you can maybe potentially do some of these techniques where you add. Woody material.
1: So is that the to, huga culture? Yeah, the hugel
2: culture. Can you, ex- can you explain to our
1: listeners what that well, is? Because it's well, fun to say. I wonder if it's as fun to do.
2: It's it's basically when you have this big container to fill up, you don't want to have to bring in ten yards of material to fill them up, and so to kind of uh, mitigate that situation, you fill up the bottom of the bed with woody biomass. And the idea is, is, that over time, that woody biomass is going to break down and release nutrients, and in the meantime, it's gonna hold a heck of a lot of water. Ooh. Yeah, and slowly just kinda of let it go, right? Cause it's woody stuff that's breaking down, and those tend to be sponges for water. So, now, if you went to Austria where Hugo culture, you know, came from and oh, yeah. <laughs> Germany and, and you looked at the research there, there's some pretty positive research on on the technique. But if you went to let's say a university here in the state, there's very little if any research done on that technique.
1: So in That's, general this is the master gardener in you coming out yes, right
2: now? but it's kind of funny cuz like in general it's kind of frowned upon in the master gardener world, but at the same time there is actual science behind it. And is re- there is research. It's just from another culture country, right? So I would say people should experiment first before going all in. So let's say you have 10 brand new <laughs> raised beds. Try it in one before you decide to do all 10 and run into a problem and then have to excavate them all and break it all down, right? Um, experiment in your gardens and try these things, but don't Put, don't go all in on them in case they don't work out.
1: I like it. <laughs> what do you think are like the most solid practices for getting one started, getting one going, and, and keeping your, your raised garden beds ripping?
2: So I haven't talked about fertilizer yet. Please. Okay, and, and so it, like I mentioned, because it's all organic matter in a lot of these raised beds, you have a tremendous amount of nutrient cycling right so you have all these critters all these decomposers munching stuff up ex- <laughs> excreting their nutrients out their rear ends and that nutrient cycling isn't super predictable okay because the weather has an impact the temperature the soil temperature how much people are messing with it how much people are watering it's never
1: a constant line it's
2: kind of hard to predict what type of nutrient availability you're going to have at any given time in a raised bed filled with organic matter therefore fertilizer can help. When you plant those plants and you're adding a slow-release organic fertilizer, you know you're going to have nutrients available for those plants over time, even, even though there's going to be additional nutrient cycling. Does that make sense?
1: It absolutely does. Because yeah. when we first got warmed up uh, before we recorded, you mentioned how you, you were gr- growing at home, you're in-ground a lot, and mm-hmm. because you've put so much effort into building your soils, you're not, you don't really use a ton of fertilizer to keep yeah. your plants healthy because you fed your soil so much. Yeah. And then you quickly said, but if I, if I did a lot of raised, guard, uh, raised gardening, it wouldn't be that way.
2: Yeah, And so I think you know, that, that's important to understand is that um, if you go down the path of, of really you know, doing an in-ground garden bed, it may be difficult at first, but over time you have a better shot at sustainability. Okay, because you have all those minerals just sitting there waiting to be liberated. In a raised bed, you've, you've committed yourself to replenishing that organic matter every time you turn over a crop. So unless you're an avid composter and you have a lot of free organic matter, then that ties you to something you need to buy to keep that bed working. Right. So I would say it's a little less sustainable in that manner. Um, and you have materials that you've built these raised beds out of that don't last forever. Let's be honest; they they break down at some point. You might have to tear apart that raised bed and rebuild it, right? So, I'm not saying that should dissuade anyone from doing it. Just I just want people to be aware of the differences in gardening.
1: Well, Kev, quickly, you brought up you know replenishing the soil each and every season and you know adding some compost, or organic matter in there. First, what are your favorite styles of compost? Mm-hmm. And can we actually do anything else to improve that soil that doesn't really involve compost?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm I'm an avid composter and um, but believe it or not, I'm not a hot composter. So I have piles that age, you know, four to six months before I use it, my backyard Fine I, t- I try to be careful about putting anything in there that's going to become a problem in kind of these cold compost piles. Um, so I also am an avid worm composter, and I also make my own biochar. So my little mix that I create is my own backyard compost with some worm castings and biochar all together. So I love that.
1: Tell, yeah. us, tell us quickly, what is, what is biochar?
2: Biochar is just woody biomass that's been heated up to such a temperature that it creates these, this charcoal, if you will, um, that has been used in agriculture in, in other areas of the world for you know very, very long time. We're, we're rediscovering it and, and all the benefits of that. Um, if you don't have organic material and you want to add some nutrition to your bed, you can grow cover crops. Okay, So cover crops are cool because they grow during a time when most people aren't actively growing crops during the fall winter time. Not that you can't grow crops at that time. Oh, you know it. But if you're not, cover crops are a good option because it keeps the soil from eroding, right? You can get nitrogen fixers that help add nitrogen to the soil. Um, And the most interesting new science in soil microbiology is hinting at the need for growing plants in soil to feed the microbiology. So when you have a fallow bed with no plants growing in it, you don't have a lot of life in that soil. As soon as you plant plants and the roots of those plants start pumping out exudates, the microbes come, and there's a mutual beneficial relationship.
1: So Kevin, so for our listeners, let's imagine our listener uh, is out there right now, and they are hoping to start their first raised bed. let's give them some optimistic uh, approach to it I want them you know let's can you give me a recap on all the best practices concepts ideas mm-hmm. and uh, all the things that this listener needs to be thinking about or doing uh, going into this project
2: yeah I'll, I'll try my best to, to uh, wrap it all up so I The first thing they need to think about is what type of raised bed they want to put in. And like I mentioned, there's three different types. One, simply an in-ground bed that that the soil is raised a bit, but there's no actual borders to that bed. Two, a very shallow raised bed that is going to have borders, but also allow the roots of the plants growing in there to reach into the native soil. And then finally, the third one, basically a big container. Something that's so tall, 24, 36 inches, that the roots are never gonna go below what you're filling that bed with. Those are really the three types. So make that decision based on the soil type you have, what you plan on growing, and what your needs are, you know, physically. Um, And then be aware that what you fill those beds with can be actual soil, mineral-rich soil, Right? in the case of the first type of raised bed and even the case of the second. But then you get to a point where you're filling these large raised beds with strictly organic material bought and brought in, imported organic material. In that case, you really need to pay attention to replenish those beds every time you turn over a crop and utilize fertilizer to maintain stable nutrients of available to those plants. Then you want to water correctly. Raised beds have a weird thing where if you use a hose or even bubblers, they will water, they will absorb moisture unevenly. So using drip irrigation is crucial in raised beds, okay, to get nice even moisture. And finally, even in raised beds, don't forget the mulch. You need that mulch on top to suppress weeds, keep the soil temps, you know, mitigated. And so I haven't even talked about mulch. I I don't know how.
1: I don't know how we made it this far without (laughs) grinding on it. It's because we were talking about compost so much. Yeah, you know it. Okay, absolutely. So what do you think is, would be the best mulch for, the, for the, uh, to use in a raised bed? Well, oh, I'm
2: a big fan of arborist wood chips. They tend to be free, <laughs> number yes. one. They tend to be pre-composted a little bit, sit in the back of those tree trimming trucks. Um, and I, I really like their, their suppression of weeds. You know, they do a really good job of keeping weeds. All the
1: irregular weeds. shapes and pieces exactly. kind of matting together. Yeah,
2: yeah. Good stuff.
1: Love it. Well, shoot. Kev, I really appreciate your time. I love learning from you. Uh, can't wait to hear more about what, you, what you've been up to, what you got going on. I know you're off to all new garden adventures of your own. Yep. And that's something that's for a whole new episode, I'm sure. See you in the future. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Kev. We'll definitely have you back. Great. Thank you.
0: All right, we are back. Big thank you to Kevin Marini for sitting down with us. And talking raised beds, man, I learned some some really cool stuff there, Kevin, and first thing I was blown away by was just like, he started talking about minerals and the soil, and like, I feel like I'm starting to kind of learn a little bit more about how this all works, the different kinds of soil, and getting native soil into our plants is great, and I just, I I'm almost want to take some geology classes.
1: It, he, he can go deep, yeah. and you really find out quickly that he is a big fan of incorporating the native soil, when whenever you can, even in a raised bed, it, it offers some value to kind of make a more well-rounded soil profile. If you can blend in a little bit of your native soil into that raised bed, uh, there's a lot of benefit to that. Cool.
0: And then uh agreed. And we're always talking about the importance of soil. So Kevin's right there with that. And, uh, but then I want to bring up this new term he he mentioned, and I'm going to butcher it. I'm sorry. I don't think I know how to say this right, but uh, Hugel culture, Hugel culture,
1: Hugel culture. I'm probably saying it wrong. as well. Have you well. heard of this before? Absolutely. I was all fired up to ask him about it, and it's a great option for people. For if you if you do choose to do raised beds, and you're choosing to do them extra deep, but you're like, hey, I want to save a couple pennies and money. And mm-hmm. to me, that's a, it's a big deal because you know it can be costly. That's the one. There's so many benefits, right, to raised bed gardening. There is the reduced soil erosion. It keeps the soil warmer, so you can have an earlier start and a later finish to your season. Uh, just because you're not walking on it a lot, there just happens to be less soil compaction. Uh, the increased drainage, mm. of course, if you have if you're around clay soils, it makes it's a big difference. If you live somewhere where you have really sandy soils, you can go raise and add a lot of organic matter, and then now instead of having your soil drain like like really quickly. It is actually ha- has more moisture retention. So it does so many positive things. That, I mean, lessens the weed pressure. Uh, you can do denser plantings. With all those benefits, there are a few drawbacks, and one of them uh, is just the upfront cost. But that can be reduced with right. methods like hugiculture where you uh, take wood uh, that you may be from your property or a friend's property, uh, branches, sticks, twigs, small logs, and you can fill the bottom. Uh, of, I've actually done this at a you friend's garden. It. Yes, okay, I have. Cool. He He made these garden beds. They were like three feet deep, maybe even h- higher. They were, well, that's
0: deeper than you need. They're
1: super raised up. Uh, it was an aesthetic choice. Okay. They at their home. It actually turned out really nice. I, I'm for it. Uh, harvesting is like waist high. That's another thing is the access. Right. So if anybody who has re- reduced mobility and you want to garden, but you don't want to be bending over a ton, Um or you have people that maybe uh, uh, are in wheelchairs. Dude, you can make it towards nice and tall, and you can you can wheel up right there and garden. So it really allows, I think, more people to grow and garden and have fun. But like I said, that upfront cost is that one mm-hmm. barrier. Hugiculture and ideas like that are, I think, a great way to, to – it's like it's a workaround. You're filling it up, but it's filling up with uh, very cheap organic matter that will eventually break down. Nice. And you brought it up earlier with the minerals and how that soil fluctuates from year to year in that right. raised bed. Right, um, That is the one thing. So soil is one of the key factors of having a great raised bed keeping that soil healthy and alive season to season is what's really going to drive the success of your raised beds. Right. And I think Kev uh, Marini brought that up in our interview where he's yeah. really he's like, hey, it's all about that season to season, year to year replenishment, doing your top dressings with compost um, and replenishing the, the, the you know the fertility and the vitality of your soil. Sure. And that's what's really going to ensure not just that first season is awesome because he said that first season for everybody in a nice, nice new ba- raised bed, everyone seems like the best green thumb in the world. And it probably it feels great but if you wanna have a second, a third or fourth and so on, just keep building that soil each and every year, giving those top dressings, adding that compost, Um, And mulch. And mulch. And and mulch, mulch. yeah, Absolutely. And that's what's really going to, I think, key you into success with raised bed gardening. All right. Well, um, hopefully that helps some people out there.
0: Make sure you're taking care of your soil, getting those raised beds up and going. Now's the time to start setting that all up. And I wish everyone the best of luck out there. Uh, Big thank you again to Kevin Marini for joining us back on the show, one of our good friends here. He's awesome. uh, Kevin, go ahead and
1: take us out. Thank you, Kevin Marini, for making another showing with us. We we love having you and we appreciate it. Appreciate all your knowledge. Thank you to everybody who who tunes in each and every week. Thanks for being a friend, and thanks for telling a friend, hopefully. Uh, Until next week, Garden Friends, I wish you all just a a wonderful week out in your own gardens. It's actually getting a little bit cooler outside. It's nice. So now gardening is—I'm switching back into, like, super enjoyment mode. Okay. I I enjoyed it when I was harvesting and eating, but now it's it's so nice just to be out there. Uh, So I hope you all are enjoying it at least half as much as I am. Until next week, Garden Friends, I have an adventure or two. I'm going to the California Agriculture in the Classroom. Summit this weekend, and there is the Farm to Fork Festival going on this weekend, Friday and Saturday, oh, uh, at the Capitol Mall here in uh, Sacramento, California. So, All right, updates you, next week. Updates next yeah. Absolutely. My pleasure. Until then, garden friends, happy gardening to each and every one of you, and please never stop growing.